Best Health, presented by the Royal Gazette and RG Mags, is your health podcast. A go-to listen where you can hear from Bermuda's best health and wellness experts, enthusiasts, and influencers. We will help you get the information you need to make the best decisions regarding matters of the mind and body. Follow the Royal Gazette on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for releases on the final Friday of every month. Maureen Ryan is a registered physiotherapist in Bermuda. She is also a provider of services in the techniques of myofascial release, acupuncture, and craniosacral therapy through her private practice, Myotherapy Center. Maureen has previously been the team physiotherapist for the Bermuda National Football Team, the Bermuda National Rugby Team, and of the Bermuda National Cricket Team. Maureen traveled to the World Cup qualifiers between the years spanning the years 1996 through 2009. As team physio, Maureen has traveled to the Olympics, two Commonwealth Games, and two Pan American Games. Welcome, Maureen. Thank you. Wow, that's quite an introduction. Thank you you so much. You created it yourself, so so I'll let you sit in awe for a moment, Mm, reflecting back on your career. It's such an honor to be here. Thank you. I'm glad you accepted the invitation. I feel like uh, now that we've prepped for the interview, you, you're more fitting for this um, for this appearance than I even previously imagined when I first asked for you to come join us. So to begin, I am going to start asking all the guests on the podcast this question, and that is whether or not there is a mind or body practice that you engage in on a daily basis. So for me personally, I'm um, a regular meditator twice, twice a day. Twice a day. Twice a day. And, you know, it might be 20 minutes in the morning and maybe 15 at night. Um, and it's flexible. I am um, all about coming to the juiciness of the heart and not making it another thing on my to-do list. So a positive approach to it. Yeah. Or just, open approach, I guess. Yeah, just to have an open heart. So, yeah, I, I feel that if I can show up completely present, then I'm serving and offering from a, a space where I, I'm really present to my clients to listen and also um, to problem solve together. And th- then everybody wins. It's yeah. fantastic. When did you begin... I, let's start with your interest in physiotherapy. Let's start there. When yeah, did thank that begin? You. Yeah, so I was really um, quite fortunate as a little girl. I took some public ice skating classes back in Canada, and there was one of my girlfriends got injured, and she was uh, gone for like three weeks, and we were best buddies. And when she came back, she said, yeah, because I knew she had this knee pain. She goes, yeah, I went to someone called a physiotherapist. I said, yeah. <laughs> she goes, um, she gave me strengthening exercises. And I'm like, yeah. She goes, well, the pain went away. I was like, really? It was like the biggest thing I'd ever heard. It was kind of like Santa Claus is coming twice a year, not yeah. once. Yeah. And I'm like, really? You can do strengthening exercises and your pain goes away? That was like, wow, that's what I want to do for a living. And how old were you at I was this like point? 10. I was really? Like, yeah, I was 11. Yeah. You had a sophisticated mind for a 10-year-old. Well, I don't to, know. To, to marvel at <laughs> uh, the body's ability to heal itself at 10. I yeah. feel like that's pretty sophisticated in thought. I guess. I don't know. That was just me as a kid. I And, and so that was... Um, 
a beautiful uh, sort of introduction. Yeah, but also like I had this focus, you know, and then like in my junior high yearbook in my high school yearbook both of them are saying good luck in physiotherapy good luck in physiotherapy whoa everyone knew yeah and then I couldn't get into physio I I did a four-year science degree and was working three part-time jobs my GPA was you know just a little under what I needed to get an interview so I was like four years later going well so much for that I guess I'm not going to be a physio and so I finally got in the back door actually into the school and then yeah, it's just been an amazing career. I think career. you're going to have to explain this back to her. <laughs> 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 Tell, because <laughs> I think inquiring minds will wonder. <laughs> yeah, no, so um, I started my fifth year of science at Dalhousie in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and I decided, okay, you know what? The powers to be, the universe, I'm going to be an occupational therapist, not a physiotherapist. And Was so that I, a lower admittance requirement? No, they're, they're both the same. It was just that OT was much more on the extra curricular and so because I had done all this volunteer work and I had shown myself to oh, be a candidate so so like practical exposure was yeah. heavier than it was in physio yeah absolutely it was interesting just at that particular school right okay. that I was like oh I guess I'm going to be an occupational therapist and so started in the program with the school and I'm in the classes with the physios and of course I'm sizing up these other students going well how come I can't be like her how come I can't anyhow there was a strike and the school shut down for three weeks, and one of the physio students dropped out. Wow. So I wrote a letter to the board and said, look, guys, I've applied four years in a row to your university, to your program, and I just, just under the mark, can't seem to get in. And um, I'm, you can see I'm in occupational therapy. I really want to be in physio. I don't want to set a precedent going forward. They're completely different programs, yada, yada, yada. And I got a call on the 24th of December to say I was admitted to second term physio. It was meant to be. Yeah. Santa Claus did come early. Actually, (laughs) ultimately, that's what happened. And I was just speechless. And I remember the Scottish guy who was um, the head of the physio at the time at Dalhousie. And he goes, it sounds like you need a drink. (laughs) 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 Because I was like, really? Really? (laughs) So, so many years ago. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And then after, how long is, I don't know much about the academic Yeah, so physio's three, physio's three years, so I did seven years of science, and then I was just chomping up a bit to get out and work with the public. And Is that know. how it went? You went out and worked with the public first? Yeah, I, I, when I qualified, I went out to, to work in private practice, and I spent about a year in hospital, but I worked the evenings in sports clinics, and it just went from there. So let's fast forward, because now yeah. you have myotherapy center. Correct. What took place in your career between working in the clinics? And, well, wait, where were you geographically when you left physio yeah. school? Yeah, so I left physio school and worked in Halifax for a couple years between a hospital and a few sports clinics. Uh-huh. Then I went to Ottawa, Canada, and I worked between two different um, physio clinics, one of which had um, the contract for the Ottawa Senators, which are a professional hockey team. Yeah. And then I moved to Bermuda in 95 and worked one year in a doctor's office. And then um, after the one-year contract, was able to hook up with a Bermudian and the myotherapy center was formed. And wow. that, that was about 27, 28 years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. What what has kept you in practice would you say is there a driving force the clients well they're just so beautiful 
You know, they're just really, I just love to watch people learn to move in their body well. Just yes. like you as a yoga yep. teacher. Yeah, I can definitely Just like you that. as a Pilates teacher, you know, and just seeing that satisfaction when they shift and then the pain levels change and just their commitment to themselves with maybe just providing an environment where they're heard, um, an environment where they're maybe educated a little differently. Yeah, it is. It's an empowering job. You yeah. are empowering people day in, Absolutely. day out. And I, I think it's it makes the work profound in a way that it's, it's hard to fathom completely. Yeah. And it's also hard to describe to those who aren't necessarily involved in similar type of work. Um, so I'm happy to have yeah, someone the of same your caliber thing. and your knowledge and experience that I have like moments, glimpses of being able to relate to. Absolutely. I'm really blessed about that. No, thank you. What's uh, in your experience what has been a profound transformation that you will never be able to shake from your memory? Mm, it's a great, great because question. Because you used the word heal earlier. Yeah. And healing to me is a profound experience and it's a profound um, benefit for obvious reasons to the body and for our lives. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if the career that you've had has left you with any imprints of something that you'll never forget due to how transformative it was for the patient or or the client? Is there anything that comes to mind? Well, I believe, you know, healing is when we see each other as whole, right? When a person realizes that they're whole, that's, that's where healing happens and that, that shift. And so as, par- as far as the profundity, like I every day ask for two miracles in the office and see what unfolds with clients and and things that happen and you know I I can remember a little Portuguese lady I treated who'd been in pain for like 15 years and she was um a caregiver or actually she was um a housekeeper and she was ready to quit her job and it was actually her daughter who just like went to the phone book and said like you need my fascial I heard it's a thing to do and anyhow so this little lady shows up on my doorstep with this excruciating pain that had been there yeah for about 15 years and she 15 years of pain yeah and she hadn't really you know she'd just been ignoring it she hadn't anyhow so I took her history like we all do it's nothing different we we did some myofascial on her back and she stood up and went I have no pain From the first session? Yeah, from the first session. And she continued to come back a few more times. And then over the next maybe 10 years, she would come back from time to time. But every time she'd come through the door, she's like, you're the little miracle worker. I was in so much pain. And, you know, so that to me was pretty like, wow, the the power of the fascial work. Um, And then just really the, the power of connection with other clients yeah. with with people you know that's what we crave and so so um, you mentioned the power of the fascial work yeah i understand it because i've had my fascial release uh conducted on me before and similarly i was walking different immediately after differently immediately after the first session but i think it might be helpful especially to hear from your words and with your professional training for people to know what fascia is first of all and then what myofascial therapy or myofascial release is. Thank you. 
Yeah, so the fascia is just simply the connective tissue that intertwines from your eyeball, eyeball down to your toenail. And it's really the structure that holds, you know, your stomach in place, your heart in place. And the fascia intertwines throughout all your muscles. So it's, it's when people have a pain and it just doesn't quite feel right, um, it's kind of like if you put a sweater on and your sleeve gets twisted, you know, the fascia is twisted and you can do an MRI, you can do an x-ray, you can do a CT scan. It doesn't really show the fascia, yet this person is feeling like there's just something that's not right. And so when we objectively look at someone and look at the symmetries, you know, all of us have one eye a little lower, one foot a little bigger, you know, there's asymmetries there. But when we, we begin to look at where the person has pain. And then my, my teacher, John Barnes, who's now in his 80s, amazing physiotherapist, he used to always say, listen to your client and look elsewhere for the problem. <laughs> and so, um, and it's not always... Looking elsewhere on the body. Yeah, on the body. And you can kind of see, you know, just like any of us um, in whatever profession we're in, the more you keep doing it, the more you expand. And so... A fascial release is basically when you apply your hands to someone's body and you take up the slack in the tissue without sliding, and then you begin to hold for that piezoelectric effect, which affects the inflammation. Piezoelectric? Piezoelectric effect, which is in the tissue as you begin to apply the pressure, and the person's not guarding or pushing back at you. It's not a tug-of-war. So that would be part of your cueing as far as language and holding space, feeling what's happening, right? Absolutely. And you want to hold a minimum of 90 seconds, sometimes up to three minutes, sometimes up to five minutes. Then the research has shown that structurally things change in the fascia and the collagen. And I like it too when we have a muscle and we just stretch it for 10 seconds, it gives us a relief. But if we stretch it for 30 seconds, we're going to get a much more lasting effect. So the fascial work can sometimes be quite gentle, but it's lasting. And I always say to people, listen, bring your doubt, bring your resistance, bring all your questions, because yeah. the proof is in the work. Yep. And it's not the be-all, end-all. It's just one of the tools that a lot of people use. Yeah. The quality of life, that was my experience. It didn't necessarily change. Like, I was still aware of, quote-unquote, imbalances in my body, but how I felt sitting in my car, how I felt walking. Mm, beautiful. Felt it changed how all of that felt, which changes your life experience. It does. How did you begin to... Like, at what stage of your practice? Because I, I would understand that physiotherapy is a whole school of thought, is a practical training. There is lots of academic literature around it. At what stages did you start to get into myofascial release and craniosacral therapy and acupuncture? Or was that part of your physio training? Yeah, so now the fascial release and the acupuncture is part of training, usually wow. in most physios. So someone in physio school right now would yeah. be getting that. Yeah, depending, depending on which school you go to. Okay. But I know a lot of the schools do definitely offer acupuncture. And just to qualify that, we're working as physiotherapists using acupuncture as opposed to an acupuncturist studying yeah absolutely although a lot of absolutely although a lot of physiotherapists do um, post-grad training in acupuncture and learn um, all the eastern medicine ways and because of our background with our um, surface anatomy etc etc we would 
you know, make decent students because we are aware of the body. So um, I took my first acupuncture course probably within two years of qualifying, and I just learned 10 points. And I probably used those 10 points for almost five years <laughs> before I went on because with those 10 points, there was so much I could offer to people. Wow. I, I didn't feel that I needed to make it complicated. And my teacher, Dr. Joe Wong, he was very much about you just need to get that chi moving. You don't need to put 100 needles in your person or make them a pincushion. But again, that's just a school of thought. And that was my first exposure. So that was bonus. And then the cranial sacral, I started within about two years of qualifying um, because I was intrigued, uh, again, of the mind-body connection and was really drawn to a course that was being offered. And for me personally, it had a profound effect on my body. Um, and then I was, like, hungry to, to take more courses So in I actually don't know what craniosacral therapy is. So... What would you say to someone who doesn't know what craniosacral therapy is to explain uh, the benefit yeah. or what is entailed in the treatment? So that's a great, great question. Craniosacral therapy is one of the osteopathic modalities oh. that is used. And if we, um, so much now is known about the brain and head trauma, and we all, I think, understand that there's um, a fluid in our brain that helps protect the brain, and we call that our cerebral spinal fluid, and it travels down into our spinal cord, down into our tailbone, back up again. So that cranial sacral, uh, sorry, that uh, cerebral spinal fluid actually has a rhythm to it, and that's been well documented, different to our respiration different to our heart rate so cranial sacral therapy is when we enhance that rhythm and when we gently apply pressure through the head the cranium and we feel down into the sacrum we can also work from the sacrum and what we're basically doing is listening to the rhythm and facilitating a place of holding and really cranial sacral therapy i believe is tapping into the essence of our being because that rhythm of the cerebral spinal fluid and our life force, and you're pretty close to home. Yeah, yeah. And in, in, I have very limited exposure to any of these actual healing modalities, mm-hmm. but I do have exposure to, you know, central meridian is in that yes, area. Yes, exactly. And even the chakras, the central Absolutely. line, that's like your spine. Yep. Ah, but I had no idea that physically there was a rhythm mm-hmm. to the fluid that's going. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's kind of like an in and an out through the ventricles at the base of the cranium. And there's different light touch points that you're doing, holding through the cranium, through the frontal bones, the occipital, the parietal, temporal, and then at the sacrum as well. So, Would you say out of all of the modalities that you use, that mm-hmm. craniosacral therapy... Is the, is the most metaphysical in its output, like in, in mm. the effect that it has on a client? Not sure. I'm, I'm re- I really blend them. So, like, I'll be doing fascial work, and then I'm doing a cranial ah. bit. And, and certainly with my training through John Barnes, um, he puts the two together, and then you throw a couple of acupuncture needles in there. <laughs> so, really, I, I, can't, I, I wouldn't be able to comment um, on which yeah, would that, be more... That's, I think that's beautiful that there's no hard or fast lines between no. how you're 
helping a person to heal themselves. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's great. You're taking each person individually in each um, kind of case individually yeah, as absolutely. far as what's needed. And someone walks through the door and they just need to be strengthened. You know, some lady's got this hip thing going on and you give them a couple exercises and they're like, wow. My pain went away, and I'm like, yeah, I heard that when I was 10, you know, <laughs> let's connect. <laughs> so sometimes it's not this, you know, um, metaphysical side, yeah. although I do believe um, that connection with another person and holding space, and, and that, and I don't mean to say holding space in a way that I'm judging or so superior, just being in a space where you're listening wholeheartedly and that doesn't happen if I'm meditating that doesn't happen if I'm distracted and you know again compassion yeah. as human beings right that that's really really fascinating so good to know about your like what your everyday is like how much that you're giving and in what ways that you're giving well to receiving clients. too though right it's just you know as a Pilates instructor as you're giving you're receiving so it's like wow I'm getting paid to do this you know yeah um and so again a lot of gratitude for a sure. profession that I really enjoy. Are you happy that this is where you're practicing as a, the, a jurisdiction? Bermuda? Yeah, definitely. It's it's just been such a, a joy and a complete privilege to work with therapists from around the world, you know, because no Bermudians can train in Bermuda, right? So they're going off to UK, they're going to Canada, they're going to USA. So, and then the expats that are coming in, you know, so that's been beautiful. And then the clientele. With a small community like Bermuda, we don't get labeled as physiotherapists. Oh, Maureen Ryan, yeah, she's the person you go to for your back. And then all you see are back clients, right? Most of us in private practice are all seeing different. Full range. Yeah, which keeps it, to me, very interesting. interesting. Yeah. I, was one of my questions that I thought of ahead of time. Is there anything that you all discuss as physios? that has high prevalence in Bermuda that you are all treating yeah. at like a very high level? I think Do we I want to know? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, th I think we all see neck pain and we all see back pain. Those are probably the, the two highest um, injuries that you're going to see or just posturally, you know. And then with COVID, it was really intriguing when we um, had the lockdown the first time and came back. Uh, there were some blue-collar workers coming in with injuries to their wrists and their elbows because they'd been off work for six weeks. Uh, and that's never in the history of 31 years as a physio they? had I ever seen anything like that. Because, you know, we go on holiday for a week or two. Yeah. So this was really cool that you're seeing these injuries come through because of COVID. And then people coming through the door who all of a sudden, boom, my, you know, office setups at home and I'm on a soft coach and, you know, I'm sitting cross-legged and all of that. So that the ergonomics came in a little more stronger. And I think all the physios would have discussed that. And then just the isolation. And when people are isolated, often levels of anxiety go up and yep. functionality is going down. And so then pain levels come up. So a lot of encouraging clients and, you know, Today, you're uncomfortable. This isn't forever. Yeah. COVID's not forever. Yeah. I actually was not expecting that answer. I was assuming that you're, uh, there would be a prevalence of injuries resulting from road traffic accidents. I think that's from neck. my own. Oh, yeah. The neck ones are. Can be. Can okay. be, but slow speed. Like, I had worked for five years before I came to Bermuda in Canada, high speed. I saw so much road traffic accident. Came to Bermuda, I'm like, where are all the whiplash? 
I wasn't seeing them because the speed limit's so lower, you know. Although you do see the road rash and you do see the accidents with the scooters, but I would say, you know, not like you would in cities where you've got, or countries where you've got these high speeds, because high speed kills, right? Yeah. And damage, broken femurs and stuff, you don't see as much of that in Bermuda. But your experience, you were saying. Yeah, because I, I was formerly a civil litigation attorney. So in Bermuda, a lot right. of personal injury work is from road traffic accidents as opposed to whatever else you might think of as yeah. uh, like negligence. Mm. So many road traffic accidents resulting in injury, death, whatever. So I assumed that that meant everyone's profession. Yeah. <laughs> dealing with bodies. Exactly. Yeah basically dealing with the aftermath of road traffic accidents. But that that makes sense, especially after the three years that we've had mm-hmm. previous to this one, mm-hmm. what sort of lifestyle impact. Yeah, and a lot more anxiety. Our bodies. A lot more anxiety, a lot. Most clients coming in are, you know, either on a prescription medication or seeing wow. someone or they've started a practice of yoga or they're really interested in meditation. So it's just, yeah, interesting times. What, how, as a physio, how do you see anxiety show up physically in a body or how do you feel it yeah. in a body? Yeah, I guess you can, um, we get a sense of it or I get a sense of it, I should say, sorry. I get a sense of it with, um, as I'm interviewing how fidgety someone might be. And then when I actually start to examine them, the amount of encouragement that I need to provide, how much support that they're needing. And then they will often speak like, that leg feels like it was cut off, like the languaging, right? Which they're speaking their truth, but it's like your your, your leg actually hasn't been cut off but that's the extreme you know and that's a neurochemistry thing yeah yeah that's that's really fascinating to know to the languaging and then of course when you begin to touch them palpate them and just going really gentle and sometimes you don't even you know if they're that anxious you might not even lay your hands so you're just educating and being present helping them move completely hands off so just always being very respectful yeah. 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 And again, looking at the body that's come into the room and not applying your yeah, formal academic training as a absolutely. blanket. Absolutely. Definitely not. And that's what keeps me motivated, right? Because it's not like, oh, here's another back. Or like with you, <laughs> oh, here's same. another Pilates person. <laughs> yeah, they're all the same. No way. Everybody's yeah. story is different. Everybody's response is different. And then we just hone our skills every day. We get to, you know, practice our skills. That's Great. Um, in Bermuda, how do people usually seek your support? Are phys- physician referrals required or no. can someone engage you directly? Yeah, yeah. So um, anyone can seek physiotherapy um, without a referral. And if you have private insurance, you do not need to have a note from your physician first. However, a lot of people are really comfortable seeing their physician first. So when they call and ask, I'll say, look, if you're more comfortable seeing your physician first, like this is your health, you know, you can come directly to me, you can book an appointment now. But if you're more comfortable having a conversation with your physician, please go see your physician. So yeah, they can just come directly, they can call me, um, they can email me. And um, Come straight in. Yay, yeah, absolutely. So as you know, this podcast is called Best Health. Mm. And I wonder if you had generally applicable tips for how 
any individual, that a potential client, prospective client, how they could make the most of a physiotherapy program, whether it was with you or another therapist. What's, what are the things that they can do to make the most of that experience? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, initial visits, certainly coming prepared that they, you know, have their own shorts or, you know, that they're um, going to be able to show us the body part rather than um, not not being prepared. That's and a good point because I've once been to physios with the tendon injury in 2019 uh, which is not an issue anymore because I do Pilates. But at the time, I was seeing a physio, and I didn't. I wasn't told to bring right. extra pants. Yeah. And I was a lawyer at the time, so I was in a dress. Yeah, yeah. And this man tried to give me Somerset cricket clubs training kit, and I'm a St. George's fan. So yeah. <laughs> put me into a, that wasn't working. Yeah, it put me into a little bit of a predicament. Yeah. Because uh, at that time, he was a physio for Somerset's cricket team, right? right. So he had, that was his extra kit. And I yeah. said, okay, I will not forget my trousers again for yeah. physio. So good, that's an extra, extra good point, because I can definitely vouch for bring your own extra clothes absolutely and I mean most of us do have stuff in the clinic but like with your experience it's so important yeah it's so important (laughs) that you feel comfortable and you know with women I want their hair usually pulled up and um and then just moving forward the compliance side of actually being really open with your physio if something's not working or if they're not comfortable so that we can make it work for you and then we all, both parts have to do their work um, so that it's not. And, and the thing is, and we're all the same as physios, if someone comes in they're like, yeah, yeah, I've been doing my exercises, and then you're like, okay, can you show me that first one? And they, they can't do it. <laughs> or they're doing it really poorly, then you know. Or they're overdoing it, or they're doing their own thing because they went on to Google it. <laughs> I think it's, it's so important that you have open communication, yeah. really, because we just want to be better, right? The, yeah. the client just wants to be better. Do you encounter that often that people... Is it like our education system that makes I, people want to lie about doing their homework? I don't know. <laughs> I, and it's not trouble? everybody, but it's also really funny how people will come in and I'll give them a set of exercises and they're like, yeah, I went on Google and look, and they'll print out all this stuff. They're like, yeah, so I have this neuropathy and this is what Google says to do. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I guess this is our last session. <laughs> you know? So you yeah. know, Google and, University, I think it's what it's. And some told. of that information is awesome, but as you know, as a lawyer, general law versus specific, and a back's not a back is not a back, and just because you have sciatic doesn't mean those exercises are going to work for everyone. And that's where having a skilled professional who can listen to your story, see what you need to do moving forward with, well, actually, I have a job at Dunkley's and I have to live, lift milk cartons all day or I have to stand as a cashier or I have to be in this closed space as a lawyer with my clients and I can't get up for 45 minutes. Yeah. You know, all that, that's such an important part of what dictates what actually does, does um, what the client does moving forward with their exercise program or just their movement program, I, I often call it. Yeah. I mean, you see people imagine this telling shop operators how to import goods into Bermuda as well. So uh, We're uh, all experts, yeah. right? Google gives people a false sense of expert. And I, th- I think knowledge is power, definitely. But I also think a little knowledge is dangerous. Yeah, and yeah, that's the thing. It's missing the element of experience, and especially the practical experience and the breadth of knowledge that mm-hmm. you have. Um, you being, 
your profession as physios, not Thank just you. you individually, although yeah. I know you for sure have a breadth of knowledge. Thank you. And lastly, as far as people that are doing like home office setups or uh, say like cottage industry baking or things like that, what would you suggest someone like that do as a preventative measure to make sure they're kind of occupying their time mm. in in the most most healthful mm-hmm. way, like holding their body while mm-hmm. they're engaging in that repetitive movement right. or that repetitive same spot of a seat? Right. Would should they come to physio before to uh, yeah. set up or? Great question. I think we're all different, but one of the things that I'm reminded of is when I'm present in my body and I just take a moment to feel my toes yes I take a moment to take a breath take a moment to pull my head back over my shoulders even while we're doing this interview right me too then I get out of my head and into my heart and so whether you're standing all day baking or you're at home just finding those ways to move easefully and always if you're sitting making a point of getting up, and I'll take that always back, Um, ensuring that you're moving regularly with things that you enjoy. I'm not going to tell you to go for a walk if you hate walking or that you should join some class and you don't want to be around people. Like it's, It's so important that we find joy in our day with movement, whatever that may be. There's one question that I got from social media. Great. And I think I can relate to it in a little, in a small way. The question is basically about hearing about all kinds of different healing modalities all the time. And how is physio unique amongst all of those? And I think my question is, I think it's good to ask you this question because of how much you bring into your physio practice. So is there one thing that you can point to that, makes physiotherapy unique or makes it something that has staying power amongst all the like trendy or flashy new healing modalities? What is it that you would say gives physiotherapy a staying power? I think that's my question. Oh, great question. Thank you. I believe physiotherapists are movement experts. Mm. I believe we're trained at a very high standard to observe how we move how easily we move, and understanding the limitations that people will have and also understanding the standards of movement that one has as a human being. So um, understanding those parameters, not just within movement, but within strength, within posture. And having studied at a high level with regards to the anatomy and physiology, understanding how to bring that forward with conditions such as MS or such as um, a road traffic accident where you're coming back from not a bone healing but, say, a nerve injury and respecting and understanding the, the stages of healing yeah. and what can be done in each stage of healing and you know how important it is to rest and when you can stop resting and then when you start to push, how hard can you push? And what are the, what's the science behind that? Because there's really great science to support the stages and then how hard we can move forward with pushing or depending on that anxious person, maybe we're going to 
come into a different practice to settle down that sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system. So there's so many skill sets available. And I believe physiotherapists are based in the science and are really great at then following up the sessions with a movement program, Mm. be it strengthening or breathing or, you know, specific to their needs because it's so important to meet the need of the client in front of you. Thank you so much, Maureen. I think the that answer just brings together all that you've explored with me uh, for the entirety of your appearance today. So I really appreciate you coming in and sharing of yourself uh, for wider Bermuda community and those outside Bermuda that are curious about what's going on here to see. So I really appreciate your time and energy today. You're most welcome. And it was just so easy with your questions. (laughs) You're extremely articulate and so open. It was just a complete joy to be here. Thank you so much, Maureen. And I have all of your contact details. So anyone that has specific questions or inquiries can contact you directly. Those will be in the show notes. Most, Most grateful. Thanks, Marie. Thank you. That concludes another episode of Best Health. Thank you for listening. Much gratitude goes to Marie and Ryan for sharing her time, expertise, and wisdom with us all so we could have a picture of what mindful physiotherapy entails. Of course, this episode would not have been possible without our sponsor, Lindos. Why go anyplace else? I'll be with you all again in March when we'll be speaking to a pain specialist. Until next time, be well. Be well.